Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And I was just down in Orlando the last three days, and I'm glad to be back in Alpharetta. I can tell you that. This is the place to do business, folks, in um, not just Georgia, but in the Southeast, or even wider than that. But anyway, I'm biased, but I'm biased for a good reason. Um, Hey, folks, uh, speaking of banks in Alpharetta, um, I'm sitting again inside Renaissance Bank. And if you're looking for a bank that is big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but they're small enough to deliver that service that they offer you in a personal way. I think Renaissance is a great example, and from my experience, of being able to hold those two, those two uh, uh, ways of doing business uh, together. Not many banks can do that. I think Renaissance can. So if you're looking for that kind of magic combination, go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. I think you'll be glad you did. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome my friend Andy Collegian. Andy is with Fort Leadership and Sales Consulting. Andy, welcome back. Good morning, John. It's an honor and a privilege to be back with you. I think this might be number four or five. I don't know, but over the years, but so thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's always fun to have you, so that's why I keep inviting you back. So thank you for that. Uh, and you've always got some great uh, insights for our audience. So we uh, appreciate that. And I'm sure this it'll be the same this time. But for those that have not heard any of those previous episodes and don't know you, let's give a little introduction to you and your work. Sure. Well, thank you for that opportunity. So um, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. I, um, at the very young age of nine years old, I discovered my purpose and my passion in my life was to serve other people. Um, I uh, got into Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts with my dad and my brother. I wanted to achieve the rank of Eagle Scout. There was sort of a curriculum out there lined out for me to go and achieve. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to go to a scout camp out in New Mexico. And uh, my parents said, this is 1974, and they said, you could go, you just have to pay for it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm making 25 cents a week of allowance with my dad, and and there was no way I could raise the 350 bucks I needed to go all the way from Detroit to New Mexico for the scout camp. And, And so I became a golf caddy. Um, I carried the bag um, at a country club, mm. and uh, I made five bucks a day, was able to raise the funds that I needed. I went to the Philmont Scout Ranch in in uh, 75 and later in, again in 77. It was an awesome trip. Mm-hmm. Shot the Colorado River, stayed at the oh, uh, wow. Rocky Mountain National Park, mm-hmm. uh, Moab, Utah, and Arches, and came back. It was a three-week odyssey trip uh, both times, and it was it was awesome. Um Got my Eagle Scout, and uh, while I was at the golf course, I uh, earned an opportunity to earn a golf caddy scholarship. So if you've ever seen the movie Caddyshack, um, I actually got that scholarship and took uh, um, that scholarship on to Michigan State University, um, studied there five years in medical technology is what, what... was my degree in mm-hmm. in medical technology. I wanted to be a dentist. I thought that the best way for me to serve people and help other people would be in medicine. I selected the opportunity to get into to go to uh, uh, Michigan State, study medical technology, and go on to dental school. So um, anyway, three uh, uh, 
three summers, I worked with a couple of dentists, just kind of shadowed with them, found out dentistry wasn't for me, and I packed up my car, a 67 Cutlass, as a matter of fact. Oh, it, was right. old, it was old even back then, yeah, and packed up everything in the trunk of the car, and I kind of I, I came down to Atlanta, Georgia with a big dream that I was going to find success, uh-huh. and uh, a resume, a sport coat, 2500 bucks in my pocket, and uh, got into medical device sales. I had stepped away from the, the dental dream, but I thought if I could take my uh, passion and my purpose of serving other people and helping other people and, and couple that um, with my passion for science and what my dad said was my gift of gab, um, <laughs> I put that all together and have a medical sales career. So I did that for... Um, well, 33 years. I was a division of Bristol-Myers Squibb for 25 years. So I was in the corporate world. I was calling on orthopedic surgeons. Um, mm-hmm. And we were uh, doing uh, hip joint replacements, uh, knee uh, joint replacements, and uh, putting the bones back together after trauma or disease. So uh, it was a great career. And then um, 2018 came along. I got restructured out. Yep. And uh, my wife said to me, she said, Andy, what you need to do is you got to get out of your comfort zone and you got to get into your gifted zone. Ah, yeah. You know, so message to the gentlemen out there, listen to your wives. Yeah. Yeah, So listen to your wives. So, uh, so I didn't even know what that meant, but um, she said, listen, you're gifted at speaking and teaching and coaching. That's how you've built your business uh, when you're in medical device sales. So what you need to do is just step away from the corporate world and and go do that on your own. And so uh, I started Fort Leadership in, um, in uh, May of 2019. And so uh, it's just been four years now and it's been, it's been an incredible journey. That's awesome. What a great story. So a cutlass and a sport coat. That's the that's the key to that's success. That's the key. Yeah. <laughs> not, just any, not just any cutlass, a 67 it's, cutlass, yeah. right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, that's I, right. I, I love that. I love that. So uh, let's talk about you, the, your specific work uh, at Fort Leadership. So how, how do you help businesses and what, what are you trying to help them achieve? Right. So, so Ford leadership is really, um, you know, part of my success was that, um, my mom handed me the book, how to win friends and influence people when I was 17 years old. And that kind of ignited my passion for, for reading and, and sort of finding a curriculum, um, that I could learn and grow from. So that book at 17, you know, led to think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill and 15 mm. invaluable laws of growth by Maxwell and Stephen Covey's, uh, seven habits of highly effective people. And I've been just a voracious leader, my, a reader, leaders are readers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a voracious reader my whole life and, and applying those principles. And that's kind of how I grew my business. So when I stepped away from that, I wanted to take that curriculum, that sort of idea, that passion for, for learning and growing the individual into a leadership development business where we professionally, you know, do, do professional development and personal development of people mm-hmm. and of organizations. Mm-hmm. So, so Fort Leadership kind of really rests on three um, on three pillars, and that is equipping leaders to create healthy corporate cultures, um, equipping people to drive purpose, passion, and performance, and then equipping teams um, in organizations um, with the soft skills to succeed. Well, let, let's. You're out there with a lot of different businesses. Um, business associations, organizations, talk about what you're seeing out there in terms of challenges that the major challenges that these organizations face today. Right. So what I'm hearing, and, and my my kind of lane's a little bit different. A lot of people are into process, which is very important. They're mm-hmm. into finance, which is you know obviously very important. Right. Um, that's not my lane. My lane is really in the people 
in the people lane, focusing on the employees and and the leadership of those uh, employees. And so um, sort of the, the things that I hear all the time, you know, are some of the things we've been hearing since COVID, right? It's, it's really about engagement mm-hmm. of those employees. It's about retention of those employees. Um, it's about... Um, you know, post merger and acquisition, those integration of those of those different organizations. Every organization has sort of a different feel, a different vibe, a different leadership style that goes in there. But with a lot of the mergers and acquisitions, um, there's been a lot of uh, you know, how do we get these um, people merged? And I, I like to really talk more about integration. Um, and we can get into that if you'd like. Yeah, no. Say well. Say, let's go ahead and get into that. Say more on what you mean by yeah, that. Yeah. So, so integration, I think, is important. As as I was going on to, to dental school when I was in high school, I took a couple of years of Latin. So, so the etymology of words is important. Mm. So, the word integration really comes from the Latin word integer, which means single or indivisible or whole mm. and complete. Right. So that's what the where the word integration comes from. It's also coincidentally um, where the word integrity comes from. Interesting, a, right? Yeah. So, so a, a, a person that is a, of integrity is a person that whatever they think, whatever they say, whatever they believe, and whatever they do are all in alignment. The brain, the mouth, the heart, and the hands all have to be in alignment. And if we don't see that in our leadership, uh, you know, and maybe political leaders, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, where, wherever the leadership exists, if if what they say and what they do are different, they're they're out of alignment. And right. We're like there's an absence of trust there. Mm-hmm. So so the word integrity, integration, and you know, all kind of comes from that is everybody going in the same direction for the same reason, for the same purpose. And so when you're putting organizations together, you don't really want to smush them together like two lobs of clay. You want really kind of want to scramble them like eggs where they're, they're indivisible, they're single and they're whole, they're integrated, fully integrated, and they're going in the same direction. That's why I think integration in post-merger and acquisition sort of organizations, and you want to get your culture together, it really needs to be integrated. So I, I hesitate to play word games with you because I'm going to lose, but <laughs> because you you've got such a knowledge of that. But it strikes me as I'm listening to you, Andy, that um, the word integrity. If you say like the seam on that boiler has integrity, that means it has resilience, right? That's- so so there's another little piece of that, right? When yeah. when you have or- organizations that have those characteristics you're talking about. Uh, that are whole, that are aligned, they also have resilience because of that, right? Right, exactly, because that integrity represents um, that strength, mm-hmm. right? And right. that strength of that organization rests on that integrity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. I, yeah. I totally agree with you. I yeah, love I love that. So, um, okay, engagement, uh, integration of, of people – so those are some of the issues you're seeing, but what, what we seem to, um, I don't know if backing away is the right word or right way to phrase it, but, um, the care and concern that seemed to be there, a lot of companies seem to have for their employees during the pandemic and that concern around engagement, it, it, it seems to, um, uh, People seem to be uh, maybe not emphasizing that as much. Maybe that's just me. 
Um, but I don't hear that as much as I was hearing that um, in the stream of people that come through this studio. Um, I don't seem to be hearing that so much now mm-hmm. as I was a few years ago. Is that something that uh, – is that just me or is that no, something you're seeing? You know, it's the same – It I we're seeing it too. I'm seeing it too. I'm hearing it too. And, mm-hmm. and one of the things that is still is still out there is, you know, this third thing, it's engagement, retention, post M&A integration. But then mm-hmm. the other thing is this whole remote work. Right, right. Right? Mm-hmm. Are we coming back? Who's right. coming back? Why do I have to come back? How right. come they don't have to come back? Right. And if I don't come back, um, and maybe I have to step away from this organization because I'm going to find an organization where I'm where I can stay remote, mm-hmm. um, that's that's a big part of what's going on in the spirit of core or the spirit of the body, if you will, of the of of people in the organization that have to come back to work. Um, clearly, you know, plumbers and service people, surgeons, you know, lots of people have to go back to work. And then there's another group that maybe can work remotely. And how do you how do you build a level of trust uh, when, you know, the person that formerly occupied that cubicle next to you is no longer there? And, and maybe you don't feel like you're getting timely responses from that person, or maybe you wonder why they got promoted and you didn't, and you're mm-hmm. here and there. And, and, and it sort of can foster this level of distrust in an organization that makes it a difficult workplace, maybe, and a difficult challenge, um, and, and, and kind of leads to some of these problems in the organization um, that, if left unattended, fester. <laughs> mm, yeah. And like weeds in a garden, they grow and and keep going. So you, the gardener in the in the organization really needs to pay attention to what's growing there. Yeah, and it seems to me there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, issues of like who is engaged. You know, it it it's easier to look engaged when you're at when you can do performative kind of things in the office, right? Right. Uh, that that just because somebody stays late doesn't mean they're engaged. You know, they may be uh on, you know, fanduel.com for all we know, right? Correct. Um um so it, you know and I think there was some stats around you know, people that are working at home work longer hours because there's not this uh separation between office and home right right and so um they you know if you want to talk about engagement quote unquote um i don't know it just seems like there's a whole lot of um assumptions that we make all of us make that maybe aren't borne out in what the reality is that's right that's right uh there is an executive i know um vice president of sales for North America. And we were talking about this remote work. And he said, you know, Andy, he says, I, I sort of wish they were back in the office because he, he likes his people to be in the office. Mm-hmm. And, and it's for a major company. If I told you the company, everybody in your audience would instantly know that company and probably be working with their equipment and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, But he said, if, if they're working from home, they are saving an hour commute in each direction. If they give me one of those hours and I give them one of those hours back, mm. then it seems like a fair trade to me. Ooh. Now there's, so, there, <laughs> there's a man that, I, uh, man, woman, a man, 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 there's mm. a man who, um, sounds like he's 
probably got a real engaged team around him. He does. And, with that kind of attitude. He is. He's, yes. And he's very engaging, very inspirational, mm-hmm. cares about his people. Absolutely. Yeah. Has a healthy workforce, workplace culture. Absolutely. That's, that's, yeah, I love that. Um, and that's, and that's really, um, I guess that's what I'm getting at is just understanding the dynamics of your own team. And cause every team's different. Every company's different. The work demands are different. Some things you've got to be in the office for some things you don't mm-hmm. really need that. Right. So, it, and, and yes, there is a thing about being together is a good thing. Um, depending on why you're there and what the intentions are around it. Right. Absolutely. So just knowing, knowing that for all those things for your own self and what, what, what the, the unique qualities of each of those things for your own company is what you're really getting at. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's so it's, it's for the employee to know themselves and it's for the management or the leadership within that organization to create that sort of culture. And then, and then I be able to know the employee well enough, right. Um, where they, where they care, right. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care mm-hmm. when the, when the leadership and the management of that organization uh, makes the employee understand that they really care for the employee and they can sort of say, okay, for you, you know, we're going to make these allowances because we care about you. We care about your work-life balance. We love what you're doing. We love your output. Um, and we're going to allow this for you, but for somebody else that maybe be one of those critical employees or somebody that has to come in, you know, we, we need that person in because what they do requires them to be here on site. And so for the management leadership of the organization to know that and know how to, knows how that employee ticks Mm -hmm. and knows a little bit about what's going on in their life, um, is always creates a, a much healthier corporate culture. Yeah, for sure. Folks, we're chatting with Andy Kalajian. Andy is the uh, owner, president, CEO of Fort Leadership and Sales Consulting. So you've got a passion around millennials, and you've got a, a passion around the the need of the millennial generation, uh, if we can make a generalization, for for uh, a professional development uh schema or curriculum. Talk about that. Right. So um, I have a passion for millennials. Um, I love millennials. Uh, we have four of them. And so <laughs> in your so, family. Yeah, okay. we have four. Okay. And so uh, you're, you're collecting them. Huh? Yeah, we're collecting them. Okay. So we, we've got four millennials and okay. they're all doing well. They're all educated. They're all, uh, thank God, they're all out of their our out of our home uh-huh. and they've all got their own places. So they're all, they're all doing well, but That's we great. do love them. We raise them uh, and they've all got their, their challenges for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, not, it, there's none of the four that are just like the other one, you know, you, you, know, you just love them where they're at and see them for where they can be. Right. Right. So, uh, so we love millennials, but, but I think it's important for, for leadership and management to, to be able to understand millennials. Um, and the reason is that cohort. And so just to make sure we got a clear definition. The millennials were born from about 81, 82, and then came of age in 2000. So by, by 2000, they were turning of age. 
18, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they became of age, that's how the term got applied to them, the millennials. They came of age at the millennium, right? All right? So 82. So today they're 26, 27 years old to 41, 42 years old. Well, that cohort of, 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 of people represents 75% of the workforce um, uh, pool that employers are going to be looking for today. Mm. In two more years, and there's lots of different places you can, Bureau of Labor and Statistics, a lot of places you'll get that that 75% of the workforce are are these millennials. What's interesting about these millennials is, and and I've had people ask me, so I don't get the millennials. And I'm like, what don't you get? Well, it seems to be difficult to manage, maybe a little self-absorbed. I'm a little bit troubled. I I don't know what to do. Can you help us? And I I always tell leadership, I said, listen, there's a few things you got to understand about these (laughs) folks. Um, They were around at the time in 1997 when we had Columbine. Right. They knew Columbine in 1997. In 2001, we had 9-11. Right, 2008-9, we had the financial crisis. Mm -hmm. Since that time, you know, there's this this climate change, right? And whether it's man-made or not man-made, I'm not here to discuss that, but, but they, but they've been, they've been seeing or feeling, uh, understanding climate change. And then in, in 2020, we had COVID. Mm-hmm. So all these things have affected them because they come pouring through their cell phone and social media every yeah. minute right. of every day. Right. And they're addicted to these things. So when you, when you begin to understand, oh my gosh, yes. Um, you know, I sort of got uh, empathy towards what they've kind of had to go through on that. And then you kind of put that together with, you know, with my kids, we always talked about, you know, the three C's, right? So you got college debt, car debt, credit card debt, right? Mm, All right. those debts, right, yeah. that they've got. And and then they've got, you know, the difficulty of maybe getting a, a home mortgage today, apartment rent skyrocketing, and things of this nature have, have, have kind of raised their anxiety levels to some degree. So, you know, as managers, as leaders in organizations, if we're hiring from that pool, we have to we can't be so brazen to say, you know, you just need to do it this way and you, you just got to get over here. And we sort of got to come to them a little bit and yeah. understand where they're coming from and then and then manage them, lead them in a way that demonstrates that we understand how you're, what you've gone through and how we're going to help get you acculturated to this healthy corporate culture in our organization to help you to learn and grow because we need you to be a leader in our organization. You're describing servant leadership. Yes, that's, sir. That's, that's, that's really, I mean, if I had to put two words on what you just said, that's really what you're saying is you're that, that we in, uh, and I'm certainly there, we, we in, you know, the boomer generation, uh, whether we want to, admit this or not, we, we need to uh, act as servant leaders uh, to bring on the next generation and to understand where they're coming from. And the other thing that strikes me too about these things you recite, which some of that is uh, it, all that hearing all that together, like you put it, it's striking, but there, but also there's been just a decline of trust in institutions generally, right? Whether they're political institutions, corporations, uh, religious organizations. So you, you, you've had a, a decline of trust, you know, kind of across the board in this, in this overtime. And that's con- constantly getting fed 
on social media. So you've got to understand where they're coming from on that point as well, right? Absolutely. Say more on that. Yeah. So, so the whole trust, right? That whole trust factor, um, that's the main thing. If, if, if you were to build an organization uh, or you're building out your organization or you're advancing the organization, trust is critical. Mm-hmm. It, it, you can't have it without trust. And you're absolutely right. Sort of the culture in America has undermined trust as you were kind of going through the corporate trust. I was broke it. I was thinking, and Rand, right? Oh, yeah. You, you, you talk yeah. about um, the, the, the the distrust in, let's say, faith-based places. And I'm thinking of Jim and, uh, you know, Baker or Swaggart and these different people. Sure. You talk about politics and and there's, you know, distrust in, in our politicians and, and some undermining of trust in, in um, even things like the police and, and the Supreme Court and different mm-hmm. things. So there's sort of a it's dis- across the board. It's across the board. Yeah, it's we're everywhere. we're not we're yeah we're not throwing any any one particular under no. the bus because everybody. Every institution's had a decline in trust, right? Right, yeah. and, and and because people are people, and mm-hmm. if we don't focus on those, um, on that character ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, quick quick side there on the seven habits of highly effective people, and I'm sure most of your audience has at least heard about it if they haven't read it, and some may have the book. Stephen Covey. Stephen Covey. Okay, yes, for sir. those that don't know, thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. So it's the seven habits of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. What's interesting to note in there is the subtitle. Most people don't know the subtitle. I don't. What is the it? The subtitle of the it's the seven habits of highly effective people, the restoring of the character ethic. Oh wow. And so there, you know, it's sort of kind of hidden. Um, but, but for me, being having been in the Boy Scouts and the whole character and integrity drummed into my head since I was a little kid, <laughs> when I read the subtitle, I was that's what pulled me in. Yeah, you know, restoring yeah. the character ethic. Wow, um, wow, great stuff, uh, Andy. So you uh, you do professional development curriculum or curricula. I'm not sure if I got my, my, I got got my plurals right. right I think you got it right. I may hear that from my English teaching wife later. Um, So talk about some of that, that uh, work you do, those training classes and whatnot that you put together for uh, organizations that have a need here. Right. So um, what we do um, at Fort Leadership is we, you know, go into the organization. We sort of wade into the mess, if you will. Um, a lot of times what we see is a lot of, um, you know, of course, the engagement, the retention, the, um, uh, the, the post-M&A integration of an organization, and this remote work sort of thing. When we see a lot of turnover in organizations and the organizations, you know, they may be highly financed, they may be or well financed, they may have a great strategy, they may have a, a great product with a great USP, but but um you know the people just don't seem to be working together. There seems to be sort of this toxic distrust in the organization. People are siloed. They're not communicating. Um in in and it happens because of everything that we've just talked about, this sort of soup, you know, that's, that's coming through the cell phones for the young people today. Well, we go in and we, we sit down and we talk to the business owners. We find out what's going on. We sort of do a personality an- analysis, um, find out the, the strong skill sets and, and the other skill sets that can be developed with individuals. And then we make recommendations on what it would take to 
to bring this organization to a healthy corporate culture. Mm -hmm. And what we do is we sit down face to face, right? Eyeball to eyeball. And we get about six or eight people in the organization. A lot of times it's the executive leadership team. That's where it starts because the, 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 the boss or the owner or the, you know, the, the department head, you know, kind of says, Hey, look, I'm not really sure that my people are actually working to the best. I, I got great people. They got great skills and knowledge, but I'm not sure that we're working together as a team. So we sit down together and we go through curriculums. I've got John Maxwell curriculums. I've got uh, curriculums from Patrick Lincioni and different different thought leaders, uh, organizational development leaders, and we go through a structured curriculum. Uh, usually, it's over a, a somewhere between a six and a ten week program where we sit down for an hour and a half face to face at a round table, and um, instead of talking in about it being in the business, we talk about the business and talk about leadership within each with the in each person. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because while you may be working eight to 10 hours a day or 12 hours a day with a group of people, oftentimes they don't really know that much about each other. Isn't that striking? It is striking because it's about relationships. Right. It's all about the personal relationships. I talk to people and what kind of, oh, we're in a finance business or we're got a car mechanic business or we, we, you know, whatever they may do. And and, and you go, you know, you don't really have that. You have a relationship business Mm. and it's about relationship. And so it's about our ability to connect with one another. And so when you get these executives around the table for an hour and a half and they kind of put down their, their cell phones and they close their laptops and we're just focused on a, on a curriculum about, you know, tell me about you. How do you tick? Why do you think that? Why do you believe that? What are your perspectives? What talent, other talents do you maybe have that I didn't know about? Um, what things do you think we could do in the organization? And the magic usually comes in about week four mm. um, because, you know, the first couple of weeks uh, that we go through this, you know, people are on guard. The boss <laughs> may right. be in the room. That's right. right. They don't know what uh, to say. You know, but um, oftentimes, you know, the leadership says, look, you just go in there. If I'm in there, I'm going to affect people just by my presence. So I can go in there and I can ask sometimes the tough questions and and get unvarnished truth, right? Mm, That no one wants to tell the king he ain't wearing no clothes, right? So I can I can kind of pull that out of people in in an organization like this and we can quickly get there, but usually takes the third or fourth before that magic happens. Yeah. But it's important to get to that magic. It is. It is important to get to that magic. I had one uh, one organization. It was a group of millennials, and these guys are literally rocket scientists, right? Now, this one happened to be remote. It was up in uh, New Jersey, and uh, these guys are literally rocket scientists, um, graduated from Rutgers University, MBAs, and they do missile guidance systems, that missiles that come out of, uh, um, out of submarines. And, oh, wow. and so they do work for the department of defense and NASA. And, and, uh, the, the first or second week we did one of these curriculums, uh, with their staff of engineers, the one guy said, why aren't we getting Microsoft, you know, stuff here? I mean, why aren't we getting training on, why are we wasting our time on this leadership development stuff anyway? You know, but it was, he was kind of grousing, you know, the first couple of weeks as he thought it was all about, you know, skills and knowledge, getting, getting the degree or the certification in this or that, that that's the pathway to success. And it's not always the pathway to success. It's your ability to be able to relate with other people. Yeah. Wow. 
Great words here from Andy Collegian, folks. Fort Leadership and Sales Consulting. So, um, Andy, as we kind of wrap up here, I'd love to hear a success story of that really helps folks understand kind of the outcomes of the uh, great work that you do when you get to that other side, when you get to that magic, what comes from that? Yeah. So thanks for that. So it is a uh, very rewarding, you know, it goes all the way back to, um, you know, wanting to help and serve other people from when I was, when I was a kid and then got, got into medical device sales. It goes all the way back to that. But there, so there was one uh, situation I, I, um, got connected with this group out of New Jersey. They're, they are literally rocket scientists, as I mentioned just a moment ago. And um, the the owner of the business, and you know, he does work again with medical, he does work with medical device. That was my connection, but it was also with the DOD and uh, that's the bulk of their business and with NASA. And uh, he's in his mid late forties and said, Andy, you know, I've heard about your work. I've got a couple of friends that have told me about you. I was told I need to meet you. And I got to tell you, I've got a bunch of millennials here. They're highly educated. They're highly motivated. Um, they're very creative. Um, they're optimistic. Um, but I just don't get them. They seem a little self-absorbed. They seem a little bit, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of hard to manage. Um, yeah, I don't know what to do about them. So, um, so he said, some of these millennials are really all of them are in his executive team, this group of nine, um, I'm sorry, group of six and their executive team. There was one woman that was a boomer and, and she was in state politics in New Jersey. I won't mention her name cause you might be able to look her up, but, um, but anyway, he said, you know, I've got to look at my executive team. So we went through and did this executive leadership team remotely over zoom, mm. uh, during COVID and, um, you know, the first, uh, week or two, you know, I, cause I always did a debriefing afterwards. He goes, Andy, I, I gotta tell you, I'm a little bit, um, underwhelmed right now with this. And I said, Jeff, just the magic's going to happen and you're going to, you're going to see it mm. by the fourth meeting. Everybody started all the leaders, the executive leadership team started putting their cards on the table. And there was some hard and very candid conversations with that organization. There were actually some tears shed in that conversation. Oh, wow. One particular executive high level person that was a major revenue actually got into a fight with another person, a verbal you know, thing, um, cause it was remote and, uh, with another individual and it caused a big disturbance. And so I was called in to go, okay, can you help put that, see, you know, peel that back and figure that out. Anyway, we got through that, um, nine week course and it, and it went really well. And at the end of it, I said, Hey, what was your favorite part about this course? What chapter, you know, we were, went through the book, 15 invaluable laws of growth. Yeah, personally, I like chapter number nine. It's about character. And he goes, you know what? They were all really good chapters, but the thing that was really special about this is how we got to know each other um, as people mm. in the organization and not as titles. And so then they asked me, John, they said, um, you know, how can we go further with this? And I said, well, what would you like to do? He said, we'd like to carry the same, you know, uh, um, leadership development to our whole organization. They had another 25 engineers. And, um, and so I said, well, let's take them through it. So I, I, I took one executive leadership person um, uh, and, and we set up three teams. So we set me and one executive leadership person on one team and another leadership person and me on a second team and then a third. And, um, and we carried that executive, uh, that leadership development 
Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays every week for eight weeks through their organization. And at the end of all that, and everybody got through, and that's when the young man had groused. I thought maybe you would take us some sort of Microsoft, you know, IT sort of stuff, <laughs> you know, because he wanted his badge on that. And why are we doing this leadership thing? But at the end of all that, he said, you know, this was absolutely incredible through our whole organization. We, during the eight weeks that we went through it, there was a kind of a rift going through the organization. There was um, a couple of people that thought that maybe they should have been uh, um, unionized. And he was trying to get a union established in the organization. And he was trying to peel off some guys and it was causing a huge disturbance. Um, the executive leadership team said, because of what we learned in, in the executive leadership, training, our executive leadership training uh, people, our executive leadership team, were able to navigate these difficult disturbances that went through the organization, and we only lost the one guy, and we didn't lose anybody else, and actually, our team is better off as a more cohesive unit. They mm -hmm. had a toxic person in the, in the organization that they kind of discovered through this process. Wow. Unfortunately, that person didn't want to change and didn't want to grow, um, so that person stepped away, but the, but the organization came out healthier. And then the last little capstone is we finished just before Thanksgiving and they had a little Thanksgiving video that they put together um, or he put together to thank his clients in the DOD space in NASA. And, uh, and it was all about the training that we had conducted and uh, oh, over wow. there. That and it was, awesome. and when I comp, I said, Oh my God, Jeff, that's an incredible video. He goes, well, Andy, you know, you inspired it. And so that was a very rewarding thing to be able to go into an organization of rocket scientists and go over there and, and give them some leadership development for a group of millennials who are highly educated, you know, highly uh, intelligent and, uh, and want to make a difference in the world and protecting, protecting the United States of America yeah. and exploring the bounds of our universe, yeah. right? And make a contribution to that. That's, that's terrific. Uh, wow. Uh, what a great story. What a great story. Andy Kalajian, folks, with Fort Leadership and Sales Consulting. So, Andy, I can't imagine that there aren't some folks that uh, uh, hearing this interview don't want to be in touch. So let's tell them how they can find you. Sure. Well, um, you can uh, reach me on my cell phone. Um, if you want to text me, that would be preferred. Um, and that number on the cell is 770-597-9005. Um, you can find me on my website if you want to check out some of my work and, and reach me that way, kind of do a little investigation uh, at Fort Leadership. That's F-O-R-T Leadership, all one word, fortleadership.com. Um, or you can reach me at Andy at fortleadership.com. Terrific. Andy Kalajan, Fort Leadership and Sales Consulting. Andy, as always, what a pleasure. Well, thank having you. you. Thanks for the great work you're doing, and congratulations on the the uh, success and transformation you're bringing about in organizations out there. Well, thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure to be with you. I'm I'm grateful for what you do, and uh, congratulations to you uh, on number seven hundred plus. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, this is show seven hundred two, I think. But uh, what an yeah, awesome we, we, achievement. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm I'm grateful. Grateful for you and support, your support and people like you. So thank you so much, Andy. Yes, sir. Andy Collagen, Fort Leadership and Sales Consulting. And uh, folks, if you've got some, well, I'll call it disengagement in your back office. If you've got back office troubles 
and you're spending way too much time on administrative tasks or bookkeeping or marketing or maybe presentations that that you need developed and you're you're doing all that yourself really um that may be sapping the joy out of your business and you need someone else to handle that and that someone else I think ought to be office angels. Now I say that because I use their services and they do terrific work and I couldn't do what I do in my business without them. So give them a call at 678-528-0500. If you're shy, you can go to their website, officeangels.us. But my suggestion is just give them a call, explain what your issue is, and they'll send in angels that will fly in, get that work done for you, and fly out. And they'll do it on an ongoing or as-needed basis, and you'll be happier when they do. And folks, Andy mentioned our uh, uh, 700th show. Show. I'm almost tired thinking about it. But our 700th uh, show that we just passed, and uh, you know what gives me – Boys, me uh, here in the work that we do is your support because you you uh, continue to support the show. You share the show when um, you've heard someone on the show that uh, their work deserves to be celebrated and shared. And I can't imagine you haven't heard that today with Andy. So if you hear someone who uh, you think they uh, their services could be used by someone else in your network in your community, please share the show. Continue to follow us on social media, North Fulton BRX on all the major platforms. We're grateful for your support. And the only reason we've gotten to 700 plus shows is because of you. So thank you. Finally, I have a book coming out later this year. It's called The Generosity Mindset, A Journey to Business Success by Raising Your Confidence, Your Value, and Your Prices. If you want to know more about that, you can email me, john at johnray.co. You can also go to pricevaluejourney.com to learn more. Sign up to receive updates on the book. Um, It'll be coming out by the end of 2023. So for my guest, Andy Collagian, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.